0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello, Craig Cairns here. Just a quick thing before we get started. The Terrace Live show is coming to the Yotel in Edinburgh this Thursday, though I won't be taking part because I'm just not talented enough. The free show is already sold out, but there may be a ticket or two become available, so keep an eye on our Twitter account for that. The hotel is located on the capital's Queen Street, and the postcode for your sat navs is EH24NA. <laughs>
0: Monday's edition of the Terry Scottish Football Podcast. The podcast that doesn't mind a bit of travelling back and forth between Glasgow and Edinburgh. <laughs> uh, I'm Craig Anderson and I'm joined today by Tom Watt. Hello. And Andy Harrow. Hello. Uh, and we're going to talk through the weekend Scottish Cup action. It was, uh, I was going to say the, the best weekend of football but that would be a lie. Um, in order I guess it's the, the Scottish Cup fourth round weekend. Then the final, then the semi-finals, then the quarter-finals. So indeed, it's actually the fourth best weekend. <laughs> the fourth best out of six or seven <laughs> rounds. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, we will crack on with this, and, and I think, eh, uh, there really probably is only one place to, to start. The biggest shock of the round, um, as uh, Rangers were eliminated by Heart of New bottom of the league putting out second. Um, and more surprising, I guess, it's three times that Rangers have been to 10 this season and have yet to come away with a win.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't just that they lost. It was like the manner that they lost, the way that they played, the way that they lined up who wasn't in the starting mm. eleven? I mean, it, 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 there was plenty in the game. It, was, it wasn't necessarily an entertaining game in a football sense, but there was so much incident, so much stuff happened and so much can be read into it. Um, I mean, Hearts have largely been horrendous for 50 games now, mm. with very few <laughs> exceptions. But twice in the last uh, last couple of months, they've managed to, to, to do Rangers and not just... They didn't get lucky... They were very unlucky not to win by at least two goals. Mm -hmm. Um, Rangers didn't really know what to do with Stephen Naismith. Uh, For for weeks we've been saying that you can see what Stendhal's trying to do, but there's a massive flaw in the plan and that they they play a very high line. The defence is not really suited necessarily to that. And Rangers didn't seem to have got that memo, didn't seem to know what to do with it, tried to play through hearts to know, got no real joy whatsoever. And almost entire the entire back five, if you include Alan McGregor, had absolute shockers.
2: Yeah. Well, I was going to say that was the most surprising thing. It was, given it was the same back five plus uh, Davis and Jack in front of them that played... So well against Braga a few days before, and that was a really strange thing, and that must be the thing that you know makes Jared tear his hair out. Is that how can he go from that kind of really composed, really calm, really looked under pressure from Braga, to be honest, to that? It was it was absolutely shambolic. You know, the the goal. There's four different points where Rangers <laughs> made big mistakes, and there was a number of times over the course of the game where Rangers defenders switched off. They weren't paying attention. They just made silly mistakes. It just happened constantly throughout the match. It was, it was so strange. Because the thing from, from Bragg on Wednesday night was
0: how impressive, um, for me anyway, Goldson and Edmondson were as a partnership. I thought both of them were, were absolutely fantastic in that game. And then, as you say, watching that on, on Saturday night, you would not have known it was the same two players. There were about three separate occasions where they clattered into each other apart from anything. And they were just, there was just such a lack of composure there. I think some of it comes back to Gerald. I think I said this um, on Wednesday night that if Rangers played the way they, the style they set up against Braga away from home in Scotland, mm. they would, they would win a lot more games. But I think there's a bit of a lack of, um, humility. I don't mean that in a bad way necessarily, but I think they, when they go to Braga, when they went to Porto, when they went to Feyenoord or wherever they go, they think, right, we, this is a good team. We need to be, you know, general spends time thinking about the opposition and how to beat them. And then I, I genuinely think when he goes somewhere like, um, I say a place like McDermott Park, because I think that's exactly what he said when they narrowly won there last season. He says, well, when we come to a place like this, we shouldn't be having any trouble. That in itself is an issue that when they go to McDermott Park, Rugby Park, Tynecastle, I don't think he focuses at all on the opposition. I think he just chucks his players out on the park and expects them to win. And I I just don't think that's ever a wise idea. I know some folk will say, you, you know, worry about your own team, but... There's a lot of unique styles in Scottish football, and I don't think you should be ignoring that when you turn up. And they they seemed underprepared, and and they were they were rank rotten. They were they were absolutely hopeless. And that those kind of what 115 minutes against Braga have stood out from everything else they've done since they came back um, after after they went on break.
2: And it's. And it is strange because if you, you look at, it, you know, the first half of the season, it didn't really matter that whole thing, even if, even if that is a legitimate criticism of Gerard that he doesn't pay that much attention to the teams that are playing for the first half of the season, that didn't matter because they were winning. Apart from at Harps and I Aberdeen obviously Celtic, that didn't make any difference and they were still able to get the results. But something has changed over the course of, since coming back from the winter break. It seems like to, to a certain degree, it's a mentality thing. Um, you know, if you look at Edmondson or Goldson or Tavernier in that game on Saturday, mentality-wise, they looked. You know, Naismith got in their faces, Washington got in their faces. They didn't like it. They didn't appreciate it. They didn't seem prepared for it. And there, there, there is an element of that I think too that they've not come back with the same attitude that Celtic have come back with. Um, and there's maybe they've maybe been a bit soft mentally, but performance-wise, in terms of the players, they've obviously done it. You know, the three months prior to Christmas, and it's and that's the bit that seems kind of baffling as that those players are capable of doing it, and and it might be that if if Gerard doesn't prepare as well as uh, he maybe should do for some of these games, maybe the fact that this is this the third time in something in some cases that teams have played Rangers now, they've kind of got used to how they play and kind of start they've started to adapt their tactics better to to combat them.
1: I mean, I, I think it's really interesting that. This result in particular came when there wasn't an awful lot of pressure on Rangers. You know, at various you, you can see, especially in the league at the moment, when it, it, the gap is widening, they had had a good result at the end of last year. They'd gone into the break having got over the, the sort of Indian sign that Celtic had told, held over them. In. And it looked like you know, there was a proper, proper title race on. And you can see why. From then on, every game is like you've got to match them, you've got to match them, there's a bit of pressure on. This this wasn't that. They'd had the best result they have had in fifteen years, ten years? I mean probably, like certainly twelve years since, since, since Manchester since, or since, yeah, well, since, not Since Florence. Since, 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 since Florence, yeah. 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 The best result the, uh, and one of the best results Scottish football's had in a very very long time. They're 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 up against a team that are not playing. At all well, have a very obvious style of play. And an obvious
2: flaw. <laughs> yeah,
1: obvious, like yeah. obvious flaws that, that, and it wasn't like hearts did what they, that like hearts did what they can do and they did, they did it well. But the, the, the lack of, it, just basic stuff, lack of concentration, like Edmondson, the, the fresh air swing at the end when he, he when Naismith should have scored again, he had two very good chances to equalise one, like, just get on target and it's in um, Ryan Jack was playing ridiculous balls back to back to um, back to his goalkeeper and back into into trouble positions and I think it, kind of uh, exemplified by Alan McGregor just seemed to lose his mind at a couple of points mm. the, the shots of him at the end when he's still screaming at, at Stephen McLean, who admittedly had a a terrible yeah. game amongst a history of having <laughs> terrible games. Every fan in you know every fan in, in Scottish football has a has a Stephen McLean story. But I'm you sure
0: the Dundee fans will be worried that his brother formerly played for Rangers as a youth <laughs> player because yeah, that seemed to be a big issue for them at one point. Um, but no yeah, um, I mean we can talk through the incidents. Yeah. Um, I, I think in terms of uh, Ryan Jack was the first talking point was he probably should have had a yellow card earlier in the game. Yeah. I am reluctant to ever say Therefore, he should have been sent off because, again, if he's on a booking, and maybe he doesn't lunge into the second <laughs> one, we had that where it was a clear yellow card missed. You had, um, the handball. I have some sympathy for with him for the handball, um, because I don't think he can see it. Yeah. Um, for the, um, the, the lead to the corner, which Hearts then scored the no disallowed goal <laughs> yeah. from. Um, yes. I guess Haas did a pretty decent penalty shot before that when again Munson is a a big grab in the Smith shot. You don't always see them giving, but you can. But then I actually think watching the goal back that he actually gives the handball straight away. Mm -hmm. I don't think... Now, why he doesn't book? Well, I'm I'm, I'm not sure. But watching him, he he turns around and he points and then he does... the, The reason I'm pretty sure he did... Give the handball. Was it he, um, what what referees tend to do when they give a free kick in that situation? Is he go and stand right on the spot where the foul was, and he did that. So I don't, I I don't know what exactly was going on with everyone else and yeah. players thinking it was a goal and all that, but I, I do think he did give the free kick immediately. But
2: I, I wondered as well whether he didn't book him because he might have seen a push in the. It might have seen it as a push on the back from Demir, and then he kind of was pushed into throwing his hands up in the which is maybe a generous interpretation of mm. it. But from watching the kind of replays of it, there's a there's a way out there. I can see how he might have maybe thought something. But if, it if like, seen a, have you
1: seen a push, he's not going to Well, yeah, there is definitely point, you know, Yeah, there's know. definitely some yeah. out, and I think I mean I, I mean one way might just be. He, he wasn't 100% sure. And <laughs> having not given a goal, it seemed like, you know, we're, we'll, we'll pass the buck a bit where we won't give a goal and we won't yeah. give a foul and we won't book him and we won't reduce them to 10 men. I, and we'll, I think it'll
0: all die down. I think it's important to mention that, like, because even, even in the commentary, people were saying, oh, it's a deliberate handball, therefore it has to be a yellow card. That's not the rule. If it's not deliberate, in most cases, it's not a handball. Mm-hmm. And most deliberate handballs are not yellow cards. However, very specifically, if you deliberately try and punch it into the net, yeah. it is a yeah. yellow card. That's one of very few handballs where it should be a yellow card. And, uh that, there's no doubt to me, that's what Demur was trying. He was just trying to get away with one. Um, beyond that, though, I thought he had a good game. I thought he came in, there were a couple of players kind of came in somewhat out of the cold for Hearts. Um, just, we, we talked last week, whenever I'm on, on these too many, but, um <laughs> we talked about him or how Hearts needed someone solid in the middle of the park It was just, a presence there, just because everyone else seemed a bit lightweight. He at least gives them that physical presence, and I'm not saying he was—he was great, but he was—he was there. And I think being there is something yep. for you need. And then Lois Moore came in again, not someone I think many people really particularly rate, but he's heavily involved in the goal, and and it's a—it's a goal for uh, Oli Bozanich not to tell his grandchildren about, <laughs> um, given, given that the guy uh, just constantly undersells everything he's ever done in his life.
2: It's also. Uh, from a Hearts perspective, credit to Di Camona for coming in in a kind of difficult game, difficult circumstances given how Rope Hearts have been defensively and, and managing to fit and fine there. I mean, the Rangers, especially in the second half, didn't really threaten that much and that's maybe got a lot to do with who they had playing and uh, Stewart obviously doing very little uh, coming in from the cold and then the full coming on and obviously no more else, but that's a kind of difficult situation for a centre-half who's not you know universally liked within the hard support to come in A soon has gone down it's a really kind of awful injury again so you've kind of got to deal with that first and foremost then you've kind of got to deal with the game and they, and they kind of they kind of managed it okay I think uh, Naismith after the game said as well that he was asked about Smith moving back to right-back and he kind of stopped short of Being too positive because I was aware that he didn't want to throw Sean Clare under the bus. and Sean Clare has had an okay time at right back, but a lot of that's to do with his kind of attacking abilities rather than his defending. And Naismith did say about the fact of the experience of Smith and just that calmness that he can offer from right back did kind of help things out. uh, And what was otherwise a kind of fairly chaotic game, and just every time it cut to anyone, any of the players, they were always shouting at. McLean like that pretty much seemed like the default position for anyone in that game. But, but yeah, yeah, you to kind of give Hearts' defence who have been pretty woeful for ages. Some, some I, I, I
1: also, like huge credit. I mean, obviously everyone knows all about him, and it's no great surprise that he he, he was he was good again. But Stephen A. Smith was exceptional. And it, again, you can kind of see it both ways. But where uh, like he was brilliant, like he, he was great. He's kind of the. the talismanic figure and if they're going to stay up, a large part of it will be down to him. But it was amazing that Rangers didn't know how to deal with Mm. Stephen Naismith. Anyone who's been watching Scottish football for, you know, forever knows how Stephen Naismith plays. But they they couldn't deal with him as back to goal. They couldn't deal with him running, arriving late in the box. They couldn't deal with him winning headers in around the box. He he was back on his own 18-yard line uh, winning the ball, he was back in helping his uh, helping his midfield as well, and uh, you know a, a, a really great all round all action performance from him. And uh, yeah, I just a kind of a, a pat on the back. And if he stays fit, they've got a fighting chance because with the injury to Suter, that that's the other that's the flip side. They've got to go tomorrow to um, there's the the Hibs game, which in many ways is is probably more important, um, but. If, you, if, they, if they can apply themselves like they did where the defence looked relatively coherent the midfield looked like it had a bit more weight to it and they were getting bodies forward and like causing problems to a pretty settled defence then they've got a fighting chance
0: Alright well um, we'll be back after a, a brief message
2: I'm Josh Schneider-Weiler and I'm Joe McKenzie we know that the football news cycle never slows down But sometimes, don't you wish it did? On the Football Today podcast, we give you in-depth analysis of the most interesting stories from
0: around the world of football.
1: And hear from the most knowledgeable journalists in the game. You can listen to each episode in the time it takes for a single commute. So join us now and subscribe to Football Today, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All right, so... um... Football today. I like football today. I'm not so much a fan of football yesterday or tomorrow. I like to be watching <laughs> my football now. What do you make of football today, Tom?
1: I'm a fan of football today and football tomorrow. i like looking forward to it. And also being an Aberdeen fan football of football yesterday <laughs> that's, that's as well. That's time part of it. <laughs> football. No, football today, it, it it's great. Um, I had to listen to the, the uh, one about the offside rule and Arsene Wenger's interventions. Uh,
0: it was very, very good. Highly recommended. Yeah, and there was a bit about um, Man City, and I kind of did a, a kind of week in the life of Manchester City. There's been some turbulent weeks at that club in um, recent <laughs> weeks, but um, yes, I mean, if you if you don't want to spend the money on Amazon and watching hours and hours of it, then just get a quick podcast and find out about Man City. That's what that's what we need to do. We're we're all about Man City on this podcast. <laughs> um, Moving on to a team that are definitely not Man City, um, Inverness Caledonian Thistle um, were thumped five two by Hibernian Easter Road. I think it was a really entertaining game on Friday night, um, and and obviously set up for Hibs um, a little chance for revenge at Hamden against Hearts. Obviously, yeah. the last two times they've met, there. It hasn't gone particularly well. So they, they'll be hoping um, for for something different.
2: Yeah, it was a. In the end, pretty comfortable for Hibbs. Inverness kind of played into their hands by being so open. I mean, they, in, in fairness to them in a way, they, they went through it. They, kind of went with a, uh, Keaton's and White and Walsh and there was, you know, they had a few attacking options there and they left themselves pretty well open for quite a lot of the game. Um, and Hibbs, were were pretty ruthless to be honest. They kind of took advantage. They were they were a wee bit lucky at times. There was I think it was Chamarco Well, it was one 0 Chamarco I think it was that was pulled back in the box. It should have been a penalty. Um, and then straight from that, Hibbs kind of showed how dangerous they are in the break. And uh, Scott Allen made it two 0 Referee again didn't have a great game. There was that one. There was in fairness, there was the Ridgers one early in the game where he could have been sent off. So that maybe evened out, but. So, it was a kind of yeah. It was a bit of a. It was a pretty unstructured yeah. game. It yeah. just kind of ebbed and flowed a bit, and there was no real sense of any shape or anything in folk. Just that's the type of football I don't serious. really guess
0: for that. That's the type of football I like. I yeah, don't like yeah. it to be too organised. I just yeah. want things happening constantly. It was probably the most impressive I've been been by Hibs in a long time. Actually, though, I think as an attacking force, you can see all the bits clicking in together. The, the defence still still needs a bit of work, um, but you can start to see them gelling as a team. Um Vanessa I, I thought despite yeah they, they were out, outclassed as such um and, and they were very, very aggressive. But I thought um, I was really actually quite impressed with Sean Rooney's performance, a player who will obviously be in, in the Premiership with St Johnston next season. Um and I think he has a chance um at St Johnston. I, I think it'll be an upgrade on what they have currently at right back. So I can um I can see him being being a useful addition there. In in terms of though, it just it just yeah felt like a game that as I say turn, as I say turned on that design. I think Hibbs would the one anyway, but obviously from it going from potentially a penalty and one each mm. to two nil, um it's probably the moment where you you assume the game's by Inverness come back into it, but you kind of always assumed that it was game over at that point. What what do we make of, of Hibs in general then um in the middle of the park do you think that's kind of the right balance they have got now because Onga's not in the team yet but it's almost kind of hard to see them getting in
2: hmm.
1: there there is a lot of football in that midfield. Yeah. there are a lot of very good footballers um it's just finding the balance and that that has been that has been the, the struggle for a while i mean they they can afford to leave players very good players on the bench um you know we have kind of highlighted that that maybe they're a little they're a little too bulky in terms of the number of the squad, and it might it probably does need to be spread around a little bit in the summer. But they do have an ability to hurt teams. They do look like. I mean, you can see that the way that they they broke for the second yeah, goal. Yeah. Um, they break at pace. They've got a number of players that can play very neat football. Can can take out a, three or four players with a with a single pass. Um, they've got pace out wide they've got pace up front and with that kind of blend that they they did have they do seem to be able to play play through teams and there are a number of points of attack I think Inverness probably did play into their hands for, for about pretty much up until the up until the first goal I think they did a reasonably Inverness did a reasonably good job of Keeping things pretty tight at the back and they did cause problems and they did ask questions up front. But the moment that they went behind, they kind of threw everything at, at Hibbs. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that meant that they, it was far too open um far too much space. And with the players that Hibbs have got, and like, like you say, especially in, in the midfield, they can bypass. You know, bypass the entire midfield with, with some clever football and a couple of very clever passes. And ultimately, uh, that's what happened. Uh, I would like to particularly point out, uh, the, the penalty that was missed for a number of reasons. First of all, but for credit to Paul Hammond for taking it, <laughs> stepping up and taking it. But, uh, a, a sort of secondary point from that was, uh, once he'd missed it, Tremarco passing it
0: back across yeah, yeah. his own <laughs>
1: six-yard line, like, are on you, are you go again, and then realizing are you, he is going to have another shot of yeah. this.
0: Um, and I thought had a, had a very poor game in general. He got, he got away with one early on, and where, where he um, was quite deep, and then I think he was the one playing um, playing hips on sides for, for yeah, a later goal. And then yeah, that incident after the penalty, it's just for a guy who um, I'm, I'm correcting saying he he nearly cost him the Scottish Cup. Um, 2015 when he got sent Central, off in the final yeah. um, in a game that a game that they were likely to win um, and, and, he, and he kind of made a mistake he just seemed like a guy who can be a pretty solid and dependable player he obviously I think scored the winner in the Challenge Cup final two years ago um, or three years ago we track of time but mm-hmm. whenever it was um, but he does seem to have that and he's locker. Like he's just not a very composed footballer yeah. and and you saw that there it was I almost think the second miss from Hanlon was worse than a penalty mm-hmm. um, but Fair play to Ridgel. I think Ridgel's, um seems to have grown a bit as a goalkeeper, and that he's he's still not great, but you'd no longer think he's just going to chuck goals yeah. in at a kind of constant rate or not. So he's got a good
1: re- good record of penalties as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But they, I mean, they were they were struggling about centre half. I mean, as you say, Sir had a bad game, but they also had Kev McHattie playing centre half, and McHattie is not known to be good at defending at the best of times, and I think Hibbs kind of exposed his lack of ability yeah. in that kind of position, which is fair enough, he's a he's a full back anyway, playing centre half. But and then obviously they lost Brad McKay to a kind of Wild Lunge yeah. later on as well. So yeah, they were I enough. mean
0: that's right. You you, you lose Donaldson and McCart in January yeah, exactly. and you didn't really replace them. Then of course um I mean I think they replace him with Louis Tosh Toshney Lewis, who yeah, yeah. It's questionable whether he's yeah. capable, whether, whether and he's always injured, injured so yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I think they thought he was maybe his career was maybe done when he went on loan to or yeah, both, didn't he? Yeah. And then uh, was that last season, and then um, I think it was our both, and then got an injury. It breaking, I can't but, but but yeah, so I think it's credit to Robertson that I, I think, um, I, as I say, it, my respect for him as a manager kind of grows every time I watch his team because they, you always know. They they never don't turn up for a game. They're always yeah. in it. Um, you know, even when they lose, you never think they've not really contributed to that game of football. So it'll be interesting. I st- I still think they will. I mean, it's it's tightened up a lot in the race of the playoffs. But I think yeah. they probably still will. I think it kind of
2: shows that they're they're, they're they're an okay championship team, but I think the I don't think the gap between them and Dundee United and, and Dundee United and everyone else really is. Incorrect. Like I think, I think Dundee United are significantly better than the rest. It, it, it does feel like quite a weak championship. This season, and Inverness are kind of okay amongst it, but if the, if you know if they finish second, they're, uh, I wouldn't really fancy them too much to get up other than the fact that Robertson has done a decent job. They've got you know they've got an okay pool of players, but uh, can we just um, give credit though for him a couple of the goals at the end? Uh, Omnioga's oh, one was love it. I love those yeah. ones The yeah. kind of side but I guess he did side foot it, but those kind of ones that looked like certainly they side footed it at some pace into the the top corner where the goalkeeper kind of rooted. I love those ones. They're, they're, apart from the shots that kind of kiss the crossbar and go in, or uh, kiss the crossbar, and then the post and go in, they're kind of my favourite goals. Uh, and then Jamie Gullen, who was uh, really good at Ray Thill in the season, sort of nine when he was uh, at Stars Park, He's not much of a chance since he's coming at Hibs. It's I guess debatable whether or not he's likely to be there going forwards. But it was nice to see him coming on, and he's got a really good goal as well. The kind of the ball that came across is a kind of difficult one to finish, and he he took it really well, and kind of like a striker who's got some confidence at the moment. So, so that was quite nice to see. And and that's the thing. Hibs have kind of got options. Like they've got if they can get people like going off the bench actually contributing, then they've you know they do have a lot of options yeah. for the I, rest of the I think season. it's
0: a, a defence that's still they've yeah, yeah. It, never really made much I mean Paul, Paul McGinn has been better than expected mm-hmm. but he's still he's still Paul McGinn he's not going to he's I, 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 exactly. he's yeah. um, so, so we'll move on to um, another game which I uh, Existed, which was, uh, Aberdeen, um, beating St. Mirren 2-0. I think, I think by far the worst of the four semi-finals in terms of quality. Were you at the game, Tom? I was
1: at the game. I was at the game. Um, For the third time this season, (laughs) I've been um, in Paisley and I've seen probably in total maybe five minutes of football (laughs) from from the three games. I mean, in, in defence of both sides. It was horrendous conditions. Like it was windy. It was wet. It wasn't good. Um, it wasn't good at all. The the only real moment of quality was was Lewis Ferguson's goal, which was pretty exceptional and not the sort of goal that comes around very often. It's uh, just with the outside of his foot, and the angle when you see it from from either behind the, the the goal or looking straight down, when you see how far outside the post it starts, and you know beats the defender and the goalkeeper. Was was really exceptional, but there was not an awful lot to write home about. Uh, it's kind of indicative of where Aberdeen are at the moment that I think everyone in the the fan base was worried about a trip to St Mirren, and that's that's no reflection on where St Mirren have been this season because they've been much better defensively. It, but people were genuinely worried, um, especially after the two performances they put in there the, so far this season. But there was a, a better blend, the midfield in particular looked a lot more solid. Um, and he, McInnes does seem to have reasonably settled on, uh, on Dean Campbell, uh, Oyo and Ferguson, which is a little bit more youthful uh, um, than he might have thought at the start of the season. And although Jim Goodwin suggested that, you know, St. Mirren were the better side, Neither side was good. (laughs) A. Neither side was good. B. It was terrible conditions. And C. One side scored after nine minutes, and the other side never looked like scoring. If you'd given
0: them a hundred, so uh, I think that's very. It's a very easy thing to say that your team are one more on top when you can see a goal early on, because of course you're going to be. Because the other team don't need to. Yeah. No. And and I think Aberdeen
2: made it very clear they weren't happy to sit in. And then because it's been an offer, very little, there's no, absolutely no reason to to come out. And it, it might have been a... I mean, I, I don't enjoy watching Aberdeen at the moment. They're, they're one of the worst two or three teams that, if, if they were on in a, a live game that I, I'd want to watch. But but yeah, this game was, was horrible. But it, it, it's one of those ones, because the conditions were so bad, me and Craig were at another game and sat there. the conditions were atrocious and the game was atrocious and it was... Uh, it's difficult to do very much when you know you're facing howling wind and, and rain. And from Aberdeen's point of view, it's that you know professional job they lose McKenna. It's similar to Hearts, and they lose a kind of first choice centre half and have to deal with it and kind of got out without any real problems. at
1: all. it always seemed like it. It's been a very long time for you know for a number of reasons since I've watched an Aberdeen game where they've scored early on and felt. Very comfortable mm. that that's probably going to be that. Um, even and sometimes you feel that watching it as you know watching it on TV and you can see the whole picture. But even at the game, Saint Mirren did have a lot of the ball, but I think they had one shot on goal. Um, it looked like the only way there was going to be any, the only way they were going to get a, a, an equaliser was through a mistake, and there wasn't an awful lot of mistakes mm. happening. Yeah. Um, I think the the one. Highlight. I said the one highlight already. Uh, Obviously, Ferguson's goal was great, and and Matty Kennedy was uh, exceptional again. And in those kind of conditions, it did make a difference that there was someone who was running at people, pulling. One of the reasons, one of the reasons that Saint Mirren couldn't do an awful lot with the ball was every time they committed men forward, he was getting the ball and running, you know, running it back effectively. And in games where the, you know. Nobody can take a touch, nobody can, can control the ball um, particularly well. He was asking questions at the very least.
0: I think, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the St Johnston Celtic game later, but that was the, the player St Johnston probably missed, and what was a very good performance from them was just someone to do that. And, and that obviously, you, you, you immediately think to Kennedy, and that, that's what he did bring that team. And yeah, yeah, I think, um, he, he, from the second half onwards at, at Rugby Park and the, the, replay, he was, he was very good and he, he certainly seems to have, um, kind of finally, kind of hit the ground, or, not hit the ground running, because that's literally the opposite of what I mean. He started to find, <laughs> started to find his feet at Aberdeen after maybe a slightly slow start. But, um, yeah, I think for St. Mirren, the problem was there, they are kind of bigger, better players who have been playing well of late, didn't really show up yeah. in this game, and kind of, uh, of miss in particular, who scored the winner, um, Last time out, but then yeah, this this game it was just um, just anonymous at passing by to the point where you're you're bringing Tony Andrew on for him and hoping he's going to do something which I think three years ago maybe, but um, that you're almost you're almost kind of resigning to to not winning when you put Tony Andrew on at this point. But
2: Quebec right. came off at half time and Quebec was quiet as well. Yeah. If you know, four months ago you'd think the fact that Zimmerman had barely mustered a chance it's pretty standard. I suppose the first thing at least at the moment it feels a bit unlike the norm that they, they have kind of threatened. So, for, you know, from an Aberdeen defensively point of view the fact that they limited them was actually relatively impressive and for some many, you're just kind of hoping that it's just a one-off and that the conditions kind of played into that and the fact they give credit to Aberdeen and that that's not the kind of start of another slog where the Billy Creators or and any goes.
1: I mean, from this sounds like a negative. It's actually a positive. Um, they, they were asked very early on to chase a game, mm. and that's that was always good. Against you know, even though Aberdeen have been vulnerable, they are pretty solid defensively, and at least two of the three midfielders on, on, on the part were more than capable of just holding on to the ball and moving it around. So from, from that point of view, it wasn't like they made a horrendous amounts of mistakes until the last minute when they gave away the penalty. Um, but they just didn't really have the personnel to ask any questions of a team that didn't have to do anything but sit in from very early on, which, you know, obviously a resource is part of that. But come the end of the season, that, that won't be
0: what the reason that they stay up or go down. A team that I think will stay up, um, this season are Celtic. Um, and, uh, they, they made it through to the semi-finals of the, um, of the Scottish Cup with a hard-fought 1-0 victory over St Johnston at McDermott Park. For Celtic, I guess it is just winning, um, obviously bouncing back from, from what was a huge disappointment for them, um, in, in midweek. But I thought St Johnston deserved a, deserved a lot of credit. I really, really liked the way they played in it. And, and you, you always, you always think, I think, when this kind of, domestic run that Celtic are on with um, with winning trophies you kind of always think that the game that they will lose is one like that you know away from home fairly shit pitch other team that you know fired up for it etc but um, even even with all those factors and I think Johnston playing very well and creating chances Mm -hmm. you just can't beat them it's like yeah it's like some uh, boss level on a <laughs> computer game, and you get you you know you get to that level time and again, and you can just never defeat them, I and that's kind of what Celtic yeah. feel like at the moment, um, domestically in cup competitions. But I I don't think their fans, apart from getting the win, were necessarily too delighted with how they played, especially off the back of um, of Copenhagen.
2: No, but uh, I think given the Copenhagen win and given how ropey they suddenly looked at the back, the fact that they managed to. Get out of it with a clean sheet. You could tell by the end of the game that they were pretty tired. That a lot of them were kind of running on empty. It was a horrible muddy pitch. Like it felt very much like a kind of nineties sports scene kind of highlights <laughs> game. Um, you know, St. Johnson have been excellent. You know, they, they looked the same as they have been in the last number of weeks. They've looked uh, a lot of confidence, creating chances, um, causing a lot of problems. It is one of those where just getting the wins enough you know you get a goal from well probably direct from a free kick whether Julian got a touch or not, <laughs> he, de- not. he definitely didn't you know, I was like without contact I <laughs> <absolutely laughs> cheek of claiming that it was yeah. uh... I mean it was Celtic it, did have chances it wasn't it wasn't like a game where they, they were under the course for the whole time there was a lot of um opportunities especially in the kind of first half where it was the ball was kind of pinging around the box, and nobody could quite get a handle on it. And there was it was more kind of half chances in the second half. The early in the half, the there was a few more kind of open chances for, um, like I said, Warden Griffiths. But after that, St John's kind of got back back into. It. And as you say, I think that was the thing—the fact that they missed Kennedy. I think somebody like that on on the other side from right to to kind of stretch south. To kind of say, like, you know, Tanso got up and down a lot, but doesn't but, offer the
0: same kind of creativity I think in the 15-20 minutes before Celtic scored you, you kind of felt St Johnson may be going to score here like They, they, Celtic couldn't get out and they were kind of um, they didn't create any clear cut chances but they were they were getting the ball in about them and, and they were just doing things and so it did feel that way but the good thing for St Johnson that's an incredibly young team that we had out um, I think David Witherspoon at 29 is the oldest player there. And then I think me and Clark and one other are 27. Maybe just me and Clark. And then the rest of them are like 22 and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, you've got um McCann who's 18 and maybe 19 in the middle of the park. And I think all the centre-half, Gordon Karen, and um, McCart are all young. You've got um, Butcher, who I think's been a really good addition in the middle of the park. Um, whether they can keep him or not, he's a, another one. It kind of reminds me of, uh, of uh, when they brought in James Dunn in the cup-winning team. Um, you know, a, a midfielder who comes in on loan and is very good, but you don't know that they'll necessarily cling on to them. And then Henry, Henry up front again, a young player. Um, Tansel's other one that's a wee bit older, but um, and I think he's maybe one of the most dispensable mm-hmm. players there. Um, I, I personally think Booth offers a bit more, but probably neither of them are up to the level that they want and Dre Wright on, on the other side so I thought he had a really good game but he's maybe just not I think with Wright he's, he's a direct kind of winger I just think he maybe doesn't quite have the, the little bit of quality you know he, he's he got a good delivery he runs a lot he, he, he's a very good player but he maybe lacks that creative spark that, that they maybe just missed um, I thought Stephen May was tremendous actually I thought he's um, a player who is playing with confidence for the first time in Probably, yes. probably yeah, since the yeah, St Johnston, yeah. basically, um, so there, there was so much to be positive about there, but but ultimately, it, it wasn't enough, and that's part of the problem. And I think that might be the story of the season for St Johnston, because I think it's also going to be the case with the, you know chase for the top six that probably they're not just quite going to have enough to get there, and therefore it's maybe going to be a a season of you know if we just found this a wee bit earlier, we could have done a lot more.
2: That I, I, sorry, Tom. I, um, I, there is, there is positives that way that the narratives kind of happen because of what happens at the end of the season, though. You know, people remember this a, a good Johnson Johnson team peaking towards the end of the season rather than sort of that shambolic mess from the, the first few months of the season. So, yeah, I, you know, it changed, I, changed the last year. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Something, there's definitely something to build on.
1: I mean, I think. While Celtic fans might be like they were expecting a result they were expecting a re- reaction to, to to go out into europe and and I kind of thought that even though St Johnston had been playing well, I thought Celtic would like kind of go through them but like, like you said all the all the things that all the all the ingredients were there for that to be much more awkward like celtic had seventy seven percent possession, but St Johnston had more shots. Both more shots and more shots on target. Uh, terrible pitch. Xander Clark had an exceptional yeah, game. A,
2: redem- a redemption game. A red- <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, Celtic missed a number of opportunities to to score earlier on. I, that could have gone. That could have gone very differently. And you are you know talking about talking about narrative. Celtic good for what the the quadruple quadruple. One game like that where it goes wrong and. The wheels come off for so many of the fans that the, the only winning two of the three <laughs> trophies yeah. is an absolute disaster mm-hmm. and, a, and someone else wins them. So, you know, it's cup, it's cup yeah, football. Minute, you win it, it and move on.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it was a 34 domestic cup in a row. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Rangers show how difficult it is to actually do that. You know, it's so easy to have a an off day. Like, it's so easy to have a. I game where you just don't you know if if Celtic had lost that you could understand that a bad day at the office you know if uh, the opposition played really well it was a horrible pitch all of those things that we talked about and it doesn't matter to Celtic they somehow always find a way and it's it can be given how often Celtic win a bit easy to kind of forget just how difficult that is not to Lose a game, you know, just by slightly not turning up or a mistake or a you know a red card happening, or it just doesn't happen. You know, it's it's pretty remarkable, and they'll obviously get to another final now. They've got Aberdeen in the semis. Well, that, that was that, <laughs> that, that, that
0: was what I was going to move on to anyway. So that's that's a good. Uh, you've 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 done my job for me and provided the link. That's I'm just going to on. talk about the um the two semis that have been drawn there. we they've got the the Edinburgh derby, and we've got Aberdeen v Celtic. Aberdeen and Celtic must have played each other at Hampton about fifty times mm-hmm. in the last decade. It just constantly feels but like.
2: McInnes has, McInnes has got nine semi-finals. He's been at Aberdeen. It feels like eight of them must have been a defeats to Celtic. And yeah. it, it, I know yeah. they haven't all been.
0: There's, they, been, a, there's been a few. There's been three or four finals. finals yeah. right. There's been a couple of semi-finals. Yeah. It, it does. It does feel. I, I think McInnes. The, there's a lot of criticism of it, some of it entirely justified, but I think he has been a little bit unlucky in that he does just seem to keep constantly... You know, He's not had a single... Apart from the, the one which he obviously did scrape by against Inverness, every single other cup final he's taken Aberdeen to has been against Celtic. Um and that that becomes, you know, the most times you don't beat them in one, it becomes harder to do. I think I, mean, I always remember when when Andy Murray kept getting to the final of um, of the Grand Slams in tennis, and he just kept losing. And then the one where he, he finally beat Djokovic, and I think in in the the US Open, and he he went two sets to nothing up, and then Djokovic came back to two two, and you kind of got this feeling if he doesn't win this year, he's just never going to do it. And then once he got that. The way he he kind of went on a run of of mm-hmm. kind of I think he won he won um the, yeah, the Olympics they, they, they and won building after that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so I think that's kind of where it is for Aberdeen. They need to do it sometime. The more times they don't do it, um the the record against Celtic is is atrocious um at, everywhere, but they have at least won a couple of games at home. But but Hamden, they've just not done it. But, um, but the, the I guess the positive they might take is that their most recent performance um, in the league, I thought they were very good. Um, obviously, they, they ultimately got nothing out of it, but they were competitive and they actually you know gave Celtic a game in a way that they hadn't for a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the, I mean one of the things I would say about the the cup draw in general is it's always quite good when you get the impression nobody's delighted. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to be that like, overjoyed with it, and you know, obviously Celtic fans don't, won't really care who they got, but they could have had, they they could have had easier draws, in theory at least. Um, I think the there there were positive signs from the last cup game. And there have been, in amongst, you know, there's been a couple of the, the, the cup matches where Aberdeen just haven't turned up and Southwick have been very good. And it doesn't seem to be uh, any lessons learned that just stop letting Roggett shoot, <laughs> cut in and shoot on his left foot. Stop letting James Forrest cut in and shoot. Uh, but the, there, there have been a couple, I mean, the, the final a couple of years ago when, you know, but for, Kenny McLean finding Johnny Hayes, mm. or vice versa. It, it would have been two one in a very different story. The the performances in some of the games at hand, and maybe th- at least two of them have been reasonable enough. Whether that, like you know, like with the St Johnson St Johnson game, Celtic, it doesn't really seem to matter. They have off days and they still find ways of winning. So it's going to be need to be an awful lot more than. Uh, they're going to have to have even more of an off day than they've had in a very long time there's going to have to be a lot of luck Uh, and Aberdeen are going to have to play better than they have played in almost any game this season but none of those things are impossible. Yeah,
2: if it, it feels like kind of fates off for of Aberdeen up as the team to finally beat Celtic on numerous occasions and every A <laughs> L- lot of Aberdeen averages, right? <laughs> like, like, Surely this time if we do it,
1: it would be very, yeah. it would be very uh, Aberdeen this season to to beat Celtic and then lose we'll to Hearts out. in the final. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, can um, I can see um,
0: that. The, the other semi-final um, in Edinburgh derby, which I think uh, for for me was the, the tie I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. There was a spell where the games were absolutely atrocious, with absolutely yeah. no redeeming qualities. But the last couple, at least some things have happened in them, and yeah. um, so so I think the the quality. I mean, I'm I'm saying this tempting fate again. <laughs> Tomorrow's one, which will now now be nil nil, enough and nothing will happen. But there, there's a lot riding on that as well because um, I think Hearts get, going into the um, what will be the bottom six games after the split. If they get the kind of morale boost of getting that result, it, it might kind of drag them towards safety. Whereas if, you know, they maybe don't, don't pick up a result tomorrow night, they, they struggle up to the split and then they get beat by Hibs in the mm-hmm. semi and morale just, you know, they just, they just can't bounce back from that. So I think it's kind of got that extra element for, for hearts, for Hibs less. So I mean, they, they may still have a chance of. You know, third or fourth but ultimately their season now hangs on the Scottish Cup
2: yeah, I, I would be very nervous if I was a Hibs fan, That they, they're the ones that have got it all to lose basically for Hibs if they you know, beat Hibs no, most people wouldn't have expected it given how poor Hibs have been this season, Hibs on paper have a far better team and have been a better team all season as you say there's the, the only thing riding on this season now for Hibs is effectively the Scottish Cup whereas Hibs have you know, even if they, even if they lose it, if they kind of just avoid relegation this season, it's it's been a disastrous season. But when they've kind of managed to get some sort of, I don't even even call it a positive to finish eighth, but something out of the season. Whereas uh, for Hibs, it's it's kind of over. So I, I, if I was a Hibs fan, I'd been very very nervous, especially kind of given Hibs's. Propensity for bottling things when it comes down to. I know they've won the Scottish Cup since then, so maybe, maybe they're, they're the Andy Murray and that now they've broken their, their duck, it doesn't matter so much and they can go into it yeah,
0: a bit no, more relax, but, but yeah, I would, I would be a bit nervous. An incredible record then in, in the cup though, and, um I think six semi-finals in the last nine years for Hibs, um, that, that's the kind of level of consistency you don't typically, I know Aberdeen mm-hmm. have probably done the same, yeah. but you don't get yeah, it very often, and um, but it does feel like Aberdeen, Celtic and Hibs are just constantly in the last four mm-hmm. at this point, mm-hmm. which can be a bit boring for the people who don't support any of those teams, <laughs> but um, at least you know they generally have served up some interesting games. And, and I think we, we have a, a very fun Easter weekend ahead of us with mm-hmm. the um, with those two semi-finals. So what we'll do is we'll round off the main show on that now. And um, we've held back the hotties and Noughties, um which is our usual staple because we thought we'll do a slightly extended version of that on the Patreon. We can dive a little bit deeper into a couple of the things that we talk about. So for those of you who um, are desperate to hear Hotties and Noughties, which I'm sure is a highlight of your your uh, Tuesday commute to work, you will have to pay us money for that now. So, um, so sorry about that, but that, that's the way it is. That's how capitalism works, I'm afraid. You've got to keep something back. It's a bit like Nestle um, with the, the breast milk in Africa. Sometimes, sometimes you have to deprive people of their, their, uh, their requirements just to, to make capitalism work. So um, on that lovely note, um, we'll just, uh, I'll just wish you a goodbye, Tom. Goodbye. Andy. Goodbye.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.